This is Barry Zelma, Zelma on Insurance. Today I'd like to speak about defenses to the tort of bad faith, and specifically the attorney-client advice and the privilege between an insurer and its counsel. Insurers frequently turn to outside counsel or internal claims adjusters who are licensed lawyers for legal advice regarding their coverage determinations on claims. In later litigation over denials of coverage or a carrier's claims handling conduct, a question that frequently arises is whether the advice provided by such counsel is protected from disclosure to insureds, or where the insurer wishes to have that advice brought before a jury so that it would act as a defense to the tort of bad faith. Insurers may be obligated by court order to disclose otherwise privileged communications if and when the insurer relies on advice of counsel as a defense to the claim for breach of contract or bad faith. It is not unusual for insurers to assert as a defense to charges of bad faith that their conduct was reasonable because they relied on the advice of a competent insurance coverage lawyer. When an insurer asserts the defense, it puts the substance of the advice it obtained at issue. By so doing, most courts conclude that the insurer waived the attorney-client privilege. In my experience as an insurance coverage lawyer, because my advice would always be an issue at any subsequent litigation, I refuse to defend the insured to cases of bad faith because I would be a competent and necessary witness in their defense. And so I would advise the client that they either waive the attorney-client privilege or refuse to waive it and then give up the advice of counsel defense. In Chicago Title Insurance Company versus the Superior Court, the California Court of Appeal in 1985 recognized that the right to assert the attorney-client privilege is not absolute. The court explained the privilege may be impliedly waived. Such an implied waiver occurs where the party has placed in issue a communication which goes to the heart of the claim in controversy. As another court of appeal explained, the attorney-client privilege is waived when the party places in issue the conduct and state of mind of his counsel. If an insurer contends that it is not liable for bad faith, because it relied on the advice of counsel, it will be deemed to have placed at issue that advice, thereby waiving the privilege. The courts have expressly recognized 
that the deliberate injection of the advice of counsel into a case waives the attorney-client privilege as to communications and documents relating to that advice. And that is why when I was still practicing law as a coverage lawyer, I would refuse to either file a declaratory relief action on behalf of a plaintiff insurer I had advised or defend that insurer to claims of bad faith because I was an essential witness to the advice given and the reasonableness of that advice which would act as a complete defense to the allegations of bad faith conduct. The mere allegation of bad faith by itself does not give rise to a need for disclosure of relevant materials that are otherwise protected by the attorney-client privilege. Instead, to overcome the attorney-client privilege and obtain an in-camera review by the court that is in its chambers of the privileged materials an insured who alleges bad faith against his insurer must establish on the basis of non-privileged material probable cause to believe that one the insurer acted in bad faith and two that the insurer sought the advice of counsel in order to conceal or facilitate its bad faith conduct. The plaintiffs in some cases claim that an underinsured motorist benefit from the defendant insurer after the plaintiff's decedent was killed in an automobile collision with an underinsured motorist. The plaintiff alleged her insurer engaged in bad faith when it failed to pay the full policy limits of the underinsured motorist benefits after the defendant's claims representative represented that the defendant would pay the limits of the policy and that the defendant would only deduct the tortfeasor's policy limits. Plaintiff received. Not any amounts plaintiff recovered from the tortfeasor's personal assets from the payment of underinsured motorist benefits. The Connecticut Supreme Court overturned the trial court's judgment that the plaintiff was entitled to discovery of materials otherwise protected by the attorney-client privilege because the privileged materials were relevant to the plaintiff's claim of bad faith. In doing so, the court reaffirmed that an insurer may waive the attorney-client privilege by placing the attorney-client privilege at issue, such as when the insurer pleads that it relied on an attorney's advice as an element of a claim or defense. The insurer who voluntarily testifies regarding portions of the attorney-client communication or the insurer who specifically places it at issue in some other manner, then the attorney-client relationship can be looked into. The court held, however, that the plaintiff was not entitled to discovery of the privileged materials because the plaintiff failed to establish through non-privileged materials probable cause to believe the insurer acted in bad faith and that the insurer sought the advice of its attorneys in order to conceal or facilitate its bad faith conduct. 
In reaching its decision, the Supreme Court noted, quote, when the relationship between the insured and the insurer is adversarial at the inception of a claim, there is no such fiduciary relationship, and the attorney-client privilege protects the insurer from disclosure of privileged materials created after the claim was made. Good faith consultation with attorneys by clients who are uncertain about the legal implications of a proposed course of action are entitled to the protection of the privilege, even if that action should later be held improper. Although the defendant's refusal to follow its attorney's advice might be relevant for purposes of establishing its state of mind in handling the plaintiff's claim, we, the court, have concluded that the relevance of privileged communications in and of itself does not justify abrogating the attorney-client privilege. Now, sometimes there are unintentional waivers of the attorney-client privilege that cannot be resolved. For example, in Sony Computer Entertainment versus Great American, a 2005 decision of the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of California, Sony Computer Entertainment Company, Inc. sued American Home Assurance Company and other insurance companies for wrongful denial of insurance coverage in connection with two consumer lawsuits against Sony. The suits arose from claims of property damage, false advertising, and other injuries in connection with Sony's PlayStation and PlayStation 2 products. American Home filed motions to compel responses to discovery, contesting that Sony's assertion of the attorney-client privilege at the deposition of Jennifer Liu, an attorney and Sony's director of legal and business affairs. Sony's Ms. Liu was designated by Sony as its person most knowledgeable for deposition under FRCP Rule 30b-6 regarding one of the consumer lawsuits. At the depositions, Sony's counsel asserted the attorney-client privilege and the attorney work product doctrine and instructed Ms. Liu not to answer questions. California law provides that a communication protected by the attorney-client privilege is waived if the holder of the privilege, without coercion, discloses a significant portion of the communication to a non-essential person or has consented to the disclosure. California applies the rules strictly. The magistrate judge held that the proper scope of the waiver included not only the actual contents of the writing, but also any follow-up discussions between outside counsel and Sony regarding the contents. American Home also saw, sought to compel testimony on Sony's attorney-client communications made in the presence of Sony's insurance broker. American Home argued that the broker's pres presence vitiated the privilege, 
Sony in turn argued that the communications were confidential and privileged because the broker was present indisputably to further Sony's interest in Ms. Liu's consultations. Only communications that are intended to be confidential are within the privilege. An attorney-client communication is proved to be in confidence. Therefore, the opponent of the claim of privilege has the burden to prove otherwise. However, where a third person is present, there is no presumption of confidentiality, and the proponent of the privilege must establish the qualifying status of the third person to preserve the confidentiality. The burden is placed in such a manner because the proponent of the privilege is in a better position to present specific evidence explaining why confidentiality was not broken. The party seeking the information claimed privilege will usually find the information needed to prove that the privilege was broken is impossible to acquire. The prudent lawyer and client will have no confidential communications with third persons present unless there is a viable and provable reason for the third person's presence that is necessary to the confidential communication. Counsel, insureds, and insurance brokers must be careful to document the reasons why third persons are involved in confidential communications if they expect to assert the privilege. The magistrate judge found that Sony failed to carry its burden of establishing that Sony's insurance broker was present to further the interest of Sony in the consultation or that the broker was someone to whom disclosure was reasonably necessary to accomplish a purpose for which the attorney was consulted. Consequently, the magistrate found there was no privilege. The court made clear that when third persons, even insurance brokers, are present, a party seeking to sustain the privilege must be prepared to prove why the third person's presence does not destroy the privilege. The assertion of a privilege will require testimony that allows the court to understand that the confidential communication required the presence of the insurance broker so that the lawyer for the insured could properly understand the insurance, the issue in the litigation, and what is needed to prepare a case for trial. A court can find that an insurer impliedly waived the attorney-client privilege based on the facts of the case. Implied waiver can occur where a party advances a claim or affirmative defense premised upon otherwise privileged information, such as the reasonableness of its evaluation of the law, which directly relates to the heart of the litigation. Another exception to the privilege is the crime-fraud exception, where a waiver of the privilege may result when the insurer is sued for bad faith and or fraud. 
For example, California Evidence Code Section 956 provides there is no privilege under this article if the services of the lawyer were sought or obtained to enable or aid anyone to commit or plan to commit a crime or a fraud. Even without a statute, the license to practice law is not a license to commit a crime. One federal court ruled that a bad faith claim not involving fraud is insufficient to trigger the exception. The court concluded that an allegation of a bad faith denial of an insurance coverage claim was not sufficient. Bad faith denial of insurance coverage means simply the insurer breached an implied contractual agreement to act faithfully to an agreed common purpose consistent with the reasonably justified expectations of the other party. This need not implicate false or misleading statements by the insurer. For example, an insurer may act in bad faith if it simply denies coverage without any explanation. The gravamen of fraud, however, is falsity. Thus, bad faith denial of an insurance coverage is not inherently similar to fraud. This video was adapted from my book, Zelma on Insurance Claims, Part 106, Second Edition, which is the sixth part of a ten-part treatise, Zelma on Insurance Claims, and is available as both a Kindle book and a paperback from Amazon.com. If you found this video to be interesting or useful to your colleagues, please pass it on. It's free. And please also subscribe to my YouTube channel, my Rumble channel, and my blog so that you can be advised of future videos and blog postings. Thank you for your attention.